Welcome to another episode of Records Revisited, a podcast dedicated to the magic of music. I'm your DJ, your MC, the host on the East Coast. I am Ben Montgomery. Joining me is the man who just recently joined the 5-0 Club, and we're not talking about him graduating from the Police Academy. Here is my co-host from the Left Coast. Here is Wayne Fugate. Hola, Ben. I mean, happy birthday, buddy. Did you get my birthday present? Uh, no, I haven't. Oh, okay. I think it was. A, I think it was all a ruse. Amazon is letting me down. All right, I'm gonna have ah. to check. I'm gonna have to do some uh, some 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 tracking after this episode. All right. Uh, also joining us for this episode is a very special guest. He recently released a beautiful record entitled "Evergreen Ever Rain." That was released in January. Please welcome to the podcast Florida musician Michael MacArthur. Hey, everybody! Thank you for having me, guys. Absolutely. Now. Now I almost said singer songwriter Michael MacArthur, but I wasn't sure if you were in the camp that kind of hated that title of singer songwriter. So, 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 what do you what do you call yourself when you're uh, introducing yourself to to people? Oh, if somebody asks me, I I tell them that I'm a singer songwriter. Okay, good. All right. Yeah, All right. I mean, it's I, I sing and I write the songs <laughs> that I sing. So, I mean, I can't Damn. think of a better way to put it. You know. Um, I know what people are talking about when they when they don't want to be included in a certain uh, a sort of stigma. Uh, there's like a stigma around singer songwriter, but I I love it. You know, so if people ask me about genre, I'll say you know, well, it's folk rock, okay, um, Americana or whatever. But, uh, but yeah, I'm a singer songwriter, so I do. There we go. Yeah, All I, right. Because technically, technically, Axl Rose is a singer songwriter, but that's not what people think right. of when you say singer songwriter. Yeah. Yeah, they mm-hmm. usually they usually think of coffee house. Yeah, Bob Dylan yeah. type stuff. Right, exactly. Yeah, but I mean, you know, my, all my heroes are singer songwriters. You know, so like James Taylor and Bruce Springsteen, and you know, Bob Dylan, all, and all they're all singers. Joni Mitchell, yeah. you know. Yeah. So they wrote some really important music, and they all played an instrument and wrote their songs, and that's the that's what I sort of relate to the most. There we go. All right. Well, the premise of our podcast, fairly simple. We talk about music, but as we do at the beginning of each of our podcasts, we ask the all important question. So I'll start with you, Wayne. So what t-shirt are you wearing? I'm wearing the, my, a new one. My son got me for my birthday. It's a Johnny Cash, uh, live at the Salem Armory concert bill shirt. Pretty cool. Fantastic. Fantastic. There you go. Uh, how about you, Michael? What, uh, what t-shirt are you wearing? Well, I mean, I don't have, I'm not wearing Johnny Cash's shirt, so it's gonna be hard to top that. But, um, so I have, uh, there's a band called Dawes, uh, that I, that I really like They're They've been around for a while and, um, my wife and I went and saw them. They were opening for the Kings of Leon a, a few years ago and we got tickets for the pit and went and saw Dawes play. And then we left before, like after Dawes was done and people were like, where are you going? Kings of Leon is playing. Or like, yeah, well we came to see Dawes, yeah. you know, not that I don't like Kings of Leon, but, um, we had a, we had a party to get to, but anyway, yeah. So this shirt is, um, it says it's got the lyrics. I want you to make the days move easy, which is from one of their songs. Okay. Nice. And, uh, I just listened to the, uh, Mark Marin podcast. Uh, Mandy Moore was on, I guess she is married now to one of the Dawes guys. Yeah, to the lead, to the, the songwriter and lead okay, singer. So she's got a type, apparently. Yeah, <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. I guess right. so. Yeah, he's a nice guy, though. I've met him. Uh, he's a he's a really nice Unlike guy. Unlike the ex, right? 
<laughs> right. Well, yeah, to, as it turns yeah. out, which is a shame because he was a hero of mine. Yeah, so. well, my, mine too. In fact, we're, uh, we are getting ready. So March is being dubbed as our Cameron Crow soundtrack month. And he's, Ryan's got a, a song in the Elizabeth town soundtrack, which is mm. really good. And yeah, well, we're going to leave it at that. Cause we're going to leave it for that, that particular episode. I, I know we're yep. going to have some conversation cause my love for that guy dates back to, uh, did you, did you hear any of the, the, the live at Carnegie hall, um, albums that, that Ryan did? Oh yeah. I have them. Um, I have it. Um, yeah, the double. Yeah. I was, I was, I was there night two. Were you there? Oh, that's so sweet. yeah. Well, yeah, it's sweet or it was sweet, <laughs> it was. you know? Yeah. Um, I, 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 yeah. So we won't get into it cause we could, we could talk for three hours about it, but yeah, I, I played that record probably more than any other record. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, switching gears. So, uh, I haven't said what t-shirt I'm wearing, so I'm wearing the latest addition to my collection. Uh, last night I attended the carbon leaf show at Skipper's smokehouse in Tampa. One of my buddies is a big carbon leaf fan. This was the I'm trying to remember. This is the fifth time I've seen carbon leaf. First time I've ever bought a t-shirt and um yeah really good show got to hang out with them before the show and um spoiler alert we're gonna have barry and terry on an episode probably in may because they're on the road right now um really cool dudes great show uh michael i'm I'm assuming you've seen some shows at skippers right i have been a couple times yeah it's been a while but i have been there it's a, it's a, it's a really cool great place. venue. That was the first time I've been there because usually I don't I don't travel two hours to go to Skippers because usually those bands are coming to Orlando as well. So real true. Yeah. Usually we give our guests the choice to pick the record that we're going to revisit. So what did you pick for us today, Michael? I picked John Prine's Tree of Forgiveness. So the 2018 release from John Prine. Um, we'll get into that first. I want to I, I want to chat about your record. So evergreen, ever rain. As I as I mentioned at the the intro, that uh, I've really fallen in love with this album, uh, and I'm not just pandering because you're on the on the show. Uh, oh, well, that's really sweet. Thank um, you. So so how long did it take for you to to finish this record? Because I, I I saw some of your you know your commentary on the website that you know it, it took a little while to to get this put together and um you know how, how long did it take for you to kind of get everything assembled get the musicians assembled etc so i had spent probably well, well backing up a little bit i'd i've re- over the years i've released eps um most of which were self-produced or i'd record a few songs in the studio a few at my house and they're all self-released and you spend a, years traveling playing shows trying to build up some sort of a following while also, you know, sharpening the, sharpening the acts, yeah. you know, honing my skills as a songwriter and a performer. And, and I started to get pretty tired and, uh, um, I was having a tough year. So I took a break from traveling and playing shows and being publicly visible, uh, in terms of social media and all those things. So I just kind of stayed home and tra- and, and traveled for fun and um and wrote everywhere that i could and i wrote a bunch of songs so i wrote over the course of about a year and i wrote 40 or 40 or so songs and stuck them all in a three ring binder and 
um, when it came time to make the record, I knew that I had to do it in a different way if I wanted it to be as good as I, as I knew it could be. And the only way to do that is to record with the guys that, and girls that, that are great. And so, um, so I put together this idea to start a record company, which is not uncommon now, you know, John Prine has a record yeah. company and Jason Isbell and Brandy Carlisle, they all have their own Dawes has their own record label because it's becoming more and more accessible to release a record on your own. And you don't have the, um, controlling hand of a major record label, um, you know, on your back at all times. So, so I, I put, you know, spent like five or six months on a business plan, uh, pitched for investors, got investors and, and made this record, you know, and, and, and was it, it allowed me to make the record. Cool. So when, um, all that was in place, I started, uh, I wrote a guy named Ryan Freeland who produced the, the album and he's at this point won five, five Grammys and, um, for recording Ray LaMontagne and Bonnie Raitt and Alan Toussaint and the Milk Carton Kids and just a bunch of people. And uh, and he, I sent him a couple of just acoustic, live acoustic demos that I made here in my very modest home studio. Um, and he wrote back and he loved them. And he was like, hey, let's get on the phone. I want to talk about what you want to do. So we got on the phone and, and he assembled the players and when he sent me the list of who was playing on the record, I was like, oh, man, <laughs> I'm, I'm in over my head here. Um, but 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 I wasn't, you know, I, I, I so anyway, I drove from Florida to Los Angeles and met all the guys are all really sweet. And we actually tracked the record in four days. Wow. OK. Wow. So it, it was a lot of leading up uh, leading up to it. There's a lot of prep, a lot of pre pro, sure. as they call it, like um you know, just getting ready for the trip and, and all that. But we, we recorded this thing live as a band. All the vocals that you hear on it are live. They're not overdubbed and that's why they're not perfect, but, um, but they're live. And the only thing that was overdubbed was some percussion, some, uh, layering like synth stuff. And then the background vocals okay. were overdubbed. So, so this is nice. first full, full length album. Yeah. So, I mean, so yes, yeah, so it was, and then I drove home. Uh, my wife flew out and we drove back together and took our time. And, you know, I'd never made a record yeah. like that before, um, especially not that fast. That's how they used to do it, you know, back in the day. They would just go in and track a song three or four times. and You pick the best take and move on to the next one. You know, when, when Ryan and I were on the phone, he was like, yeah, so when you come out, well, you know, we'll do, let's, let's plan to do three songs the first day. And I said, three songs the first day? How are we going to do that? How are we going to do that? He must know something that I don't know. And, um, but there's something about when the energy is right and the people in the room care the way that they should, uh, and that synergy happens, it, it, that's the way it works. We did three songs the first day, four the next day, four the day after that, and then finished on wow. Friday. Okay. That's, uh, that's pretty quick. So, yeah, it was an incredible experience. Um, super grateful, grateful for it. And it, you know, what it, uh, allowed me to do is it allowed me to prove to myself that, that I belong around. But I like there, you can hear when, when a band plays something live instead of tracking it, you know, bit mm. by bit, there's like, and you're right. I mean, there may, it may not be perfect, but those, those little nuances, I don't know, they give it character that I don't think it's I, one of the reasons I've never been a huge fan of pop music. 
but that whole mm. you know moving note by note so that it sounds just right when it's you know it's not i don't know like it's not supposed to be like that right well you know you think about the inflections in a human voice when you're talking to somebody and the sounds that you hear in nature and they're none of them are perfect they're perfect and because they're like unobstructed you know and i'm not a purist i'm not saying nothing can be everything has to be perfectly live or anything i'm not necessarily a purist but i do enjoy the honesty and the authenticity that comes with recording live in a room with a group of players because you feel you know we, we can all see each other so we're looking at each other we're smiling we're you know while we're playing and there's that that's in the music and i and i feel like that comes across in the music all right so to michael uh you you mentioned springsteen you mentioned dylan um I, you know, I sometimes hear Ray LaMontagne in some of your songs. Um, sometimes I hear a little uh, Art Garfunkel. Other times I hear a little Paul Simon. Um, are, are some of those influences? Yeah, definitely. Um, I listen to so much music. I, I, I go through so much music because I'm always searching for that sort of that feeling you get when you hear something exciting, something that your ears haven't heard before. And so I'm always searching for that, uh, like a replenishing of that feeling. So I go through a lot of music, but, um, but yeah, I, I'll take those. Those are all compliments to me. Um, I've gotten, I've even gotten Tracy Chapman before. Oh, which, okay. <laughs> Tracy, yeah. Which is always shock to me. Cause, but, but it, but I love it. You know, I'll take it. The one that um, he didn't mention, cause I don't so much hear Simon, the Garfunkel I did. Um, I got Jim Croce, but not bad, bad Leroy Brown, Jim Croce, like time in a bottle, uh, photographs and memories, operator, uh, Jim yeah. Croce. There's even like, there's like this little lilt and your voice at the end of like a, like a, of a, of a lyrical line that kind of matches his, that I, I and I'm a huge Jim Croce fan. I, oh, cool. Well, I, I'll take it. I mean, I'll take it all day. You know, it's like, I'm, I'm that uh, glad to be in the company of people like that, obviously. Um, yeah. In terms of the way that I sing, you know, sometimes when I get done with the show, people will, somebody will come up to me like, man, you just have, you have so much control over your voice. And it's always interesting to me because I, when I first started singing, I tried to control every inflection, every run, every note, every everything. And now I do the exact opposite of that. Actually, I actually let my voice do whatever it wants to do. Um, and most of the time it, it, it does something that sounds all right. You know, like I'm actually not control. I know that sounds probably sounds like a, like a humble brag or whatever, but it's not. Um, I just kind of feel the moment and whatever whatever comes out is what you know what it is and and i would say that uh like on warmer months where you know you've got some some pretty high parts on on that particular song um you know i i definitely hear some bridge over troubled water on on that mm. um you know that nothing nothing uh nothing wrong with that that's uh that's one of the no. greatest songs ever um i do have to say that uh conversation before bed probably my favorite song off the record uh okay. i really like wild in the blood as well um 
but let, let, let's talk about uh, conversation before bed. I have to think that there are some, some personal experiences that are, are factoring into the writing of that particular song. But I put all that out of my mind I have Absolutely. So it's called a conversation before bed because it was quite literally a conversation that my wife and I had before we turned in for the night, one night. And I like songs that have interesting titles. And I find that most of my songs get written based on a title that I have that makes me feel something. So if I start with a good title, then I feel like I can write a good song. And so I had this, I had this um, title, like a conversation before bed. And then even though those words are never in the song, it, it's like the title to a book, you know, or a movie. So Wayne, that's kind of a way different approach to song titles from our last week's guest where all of their, all of their titles were like <laughs> yeah, one, one, one word. word, one word titles. So mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, Wild in the Blood. So the beginning really has like this Peter Gabriel feel to it, to, to, to it. Okay. And I, yeah. and I really dig the percussion on, on that song. You, you, you talked about, you know, some of the, the percussion was, you know, over overlaid who, who handled the percussion for, for the album? A guy named Steven Nister. He is a, an incredible drummer. Um, hands down the best I've ever played with. And, but he's, he's played, you know, Played with the Avett brothers and Emmylou Harris okay. and Gnarls Barkley and Daniel Lanois, and he's a seasoned drummer. And uh, but anyway, that Wild in the Blood, he actually played that all um, in one shot. So the shaker, when the shaker comes really? in, he's got a stick in one hand and a shaker in another hand. Yeah, nice. and he hits the toms and he's turning the snare on and off. And yeah, he's insane. But. Yeah, so that's who, and honestly, the 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 drums and that kind of make it. I mean, in the pads, but um, but yeah, he's he killed yeah. it. They're coming for us. The sun is climbing up. Can we find the cover? Faded lovers. 
And, and you know, just so you know, um, going back to making honest music and, and music that feels handmade, we didn't track a single song to a metronome, which is wow. unusual. Wow. We played everything just off of a, a count-in, you know? Um, or like on a conversation before bed, I started that one and then the band just fell into it. I have to assume from, from that, that you're probably a multi-instrumentalist then. Mm, Mostly guitar. I mean, I can, I can mess around. Like I've written songs on piano and stuff before, but when I tour and when I play, I just play guitar. I can play acoustic or electric and that's what I feel most comfortable with. And, um, I'm not definitely not a, I don't want to insult piano players by saying that I'm a piano player because I'm definitely, I'm not, but, but I play guitar for, you know, for a lot of years and I've written most of my songs on, on, on okay. guitar. Yeah. And like I always say, I've been, I've been learning to play the guitar for 10 years and I, I would never call myself a guitar player, even though there was one right by my, my bed. But I was just going to say, um, we were talking about when you start the song and, and they, the rest of the band jumps in, that always amazes me. Because I, I can say I do strum a guitar and sing, and I, I find it hard to believe anybody would be able to jump in. And, and but, but I've actually my uncle, who's a very talented guitar player, um, I'm sitting there playing and singing, and and he he sat there for a few seconds and jumped right in. It's amazing what professional. I, I envy professional musicians. Yeah, it's really cool. Um, and we would play through each song a few times until we got a feel for it, and then. Um, and we would record all of the, everything that we did. And then once we got a take that we, that everybody was like, oh man, that's the one. We would go into the control room and just all stand around and with smiles on our faces, listening to what we just yeah. created. Cause even though it's not mixed yet and it's not, uh, you know, it's not properly EQ'd and compressed or whatever, uh, it still already was sounding like a record. And so it's kind of amazing to be in a room with an instrument in your, in your hand one minute and the next you're listening to this thing that didn't exist before you walked in the room, you know, with these guys. Um, so that's a pretty special feeling. And then we'd break for lunch and eat, you know, hummus and falafel or whatever, and then go back to, go back to work. You know, uh, it was really, really great experience, but wild in the blood, if I can tell you, um, it's, it's interesting because, and I don't want to change the song for you. Um, but it's a, the song is about the deceiving desire to escape uh, reality in order to feel free. And the vessel is alcohol, hence the title yeah. Wild in the Blood. It actually means, um, it actually means being in, intoxicated. So there's, um, there's like a certain feeling of invincibility that comes when you've had too much to drink and, and especially under the wrong circumstance, that circumstance being having the desire to escape, like not wanting to be down or not wanting to feel the, the anxiety that you're feeling. And um, so anyway, yeah, so the song's not about the relationship between two people. It's about the relationship between a person and yeah. a drug. That's just my intent, you know, so people can take it however they want it, which is the beauty of a song. Well, we, uh, so, so last week here, we were thinking that uh, there was a really light and fluffy song talking about chasing sunshines and we found out that it was it was a it was a song about, about spouse. domestic violence yeah what you said there that actually i i i noticed that in in this record there's several songs on here where i i feel like they're political and but if you're not political you may not even see that and 
that duality where you wrote it about one thing, but someone listening to it is equating it to an, to something else. And it's mm -hmm. still beautiful either way. Yeah. And that's the power of music. And that's why music can speak to so many people is because people take whatever that song is and just, and they, they just apply it to their own lives. I'm assuming that you're doing some full band shows, but you're also doing more of a, you know, stripped down, going back to the, the singer songwriter mentality that we, we talked about at the beginning of the show. But, um, you know, for songs like we live and we die that I think like the slide guitar is really prominent in that particular song. So how do you, how do you, uh, replace the slide for instance, and how do you replace some of this, the percussion, for instance, when you're doing, you know, one of your solo shows? Mm, that's a good question. Um, so when I first started performing, I tried to be, when I was performing alone, I tried to be as big as possible because I felt like if the more sound I can make, the the more people yeah. pay attention. And it's amazing what you can do with a single voice and an acoustic guitar um, in a room. Um, so I've learned over the years how to how to play to different types of audiences, but um, but I used to be terrified to pl to play alone because I thought it wouldn't be enough for people, it wouldn't be entertaining enough. But then you talk about you know, like, so there's this guy that I like, his name's Damien oh, Rice. Love Damien And, um, yeah. Yeah. And so we, I went and saw him at the Tampa theater, which is a very ornate atmospheric yeah. theater in downtown Tampa, sold out show came out, you know, all his records are, you know, full band with orchestras and, and, um, they're very, you know, symphonic and cinematic. And he played by himself the whole time. And it was unbelievable. So I kind of do that, you know, I don't, I don't try to replace it. I, I, um, I basically am playing the song for people the way that I wrote it. And so there is something special about that. Um, so, so when you're yeah. singing the lane by yourself, you're, you're doing that mm -hmm. top of the lungs at the end with the Elaine. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm not holding back. I definitely sing it just like I do on the record. But there's something about when you get really small in terms of not having all the instrumentation, um, it allows you to to hear the song in a different way. That's in, that's also interesting. So, so who is Elaine? It's my wife's middle name. Oh, okay, all right. Yeah. So I, I was reminded of the scene in The Graduate when you when you do that uh, that last Elaine. Mm -hmm. Were you oh, channeling your oh at your the very inner, end at the yeah were you channeling your inner Dustin Hoffman on that one? <laughs> Maybe I was, man. I don't know. Maybe <laughs> I was. You know, I don't yeah. think too much of when I I try not to overthink when I write. Um, I, I do think about the lyrics, obviously, because a lot of them are metaphorical. And but um, but yeah, I, I try to just like whatever comes out comes out. So that melody just came out. It was just a thing. I was like, huh, that's something. See what you see 
It's a good song. Uh, there's a video for that as well. We'll post that to our Facebook page uh, so that uh, everybody can take a look at that. Um, so lastly, before we go to revisit John Prine, so your song Simple Kindness, that seems to be a really good segue into an album called Tree of Forgiveness. I thought it was an unusual title for the for the name of the honky tonk in heaven, Tree of Forgiveness, but uh, that yeah. was... That was uh, that that song it's cool really, though absolutely and I, I say i'm sure we'll get to it at the end but that was a that whole album i don't i don't know that i've ever you know you always say you oh i i, I like all types of music people say that all the time <clears throat> but when i heard your choice and i i found it on amazon and i started playing it the person i was with is like what are you listening to and i was yeah. i said yeah. really matter of factly uh john prine's tree of forgiveness and i just continued listening to it cuz i immediately I, I felt better about myself. Like I say, I like all kinds of music and I, you know, I do. I'm listening to this very, you know, folk kind of Americana record that could have been made like 60 years ago or something. And I, yeah. I enjoyed it from beginning to end. I, I, I was, I can say, a great choice. I really, I don't know that I, I mean, I had read about it when it came out, um, but I don't know that I ever would have, um, I'm actually going to dig in and, and listen to some older stuff of his after I read about this and some of, you know, some more about him personally. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd like to, I'd like to hear more from him. Yeah. For he's simple great. kindness. I assume the million miles behind us. That's, that's really a song about forgiveness and moving forward. Is that accurate? Yeah. 100%. Yeah. So uh, mm-hmm. any, anything else we want to discuss about your record before we move on to another forgiveness, which is the tree of forgiveness? Yeah. Um, no, we can move right. on. I would love to talk about John. Give Prine. a little little background info on the album. So this is Prine's first album since 2005, and uh, the album debuted at number five on the Billboard 200. It's Prine's best ever ranking on that chart. Um, it, and here's what's interesting: it also charted on the top country albums and also the rock albums. Of course, it was number one on the Americana and folk albums. Um, so, so tell us why you picked this this particular album. Of of all the albums that we could have revisited, we went with we went with John Prine. Yeah, so I gave it some thought because it would be it's always safe to pick somebody that's got a big name that made a classic record. You know, when I first started thinking about it, I was like, man, I really like the Bill Withers Live at Carnegie Hall album. Um, we could have done that one. We could have done like you know, something from Bruce or Petty or, you know, anybody. But John Prine has been a a hero of mine and because he's a singer-songwriter. And not only a singer-songwriter, but he has had this incredible career where, yeah, there was 13 years between albums, but last year at 69 years old or whatever he is now, um, he put out a record of of original material, which a lot of people don't do. Like, it seems like like Van Morrison's another one. He'll he's still writing music, and for me, 
he's not just a hero for me for right now. He's a hero for me for the future, which I appreciate about him. So that's why I picked it. I thought it'd be interesting to do something from a guy who's been around for a long time, but just put out a record last year. It's cool. It's this is definitely the yeah. newest album we've ever revisited other than our, <laughs> you know, our our top songs of 2018 that we uh, that we did. So it's cool. So how do you find, how do you find new music? Where, where are you finding, you know, the, 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 the next big thing? I, I'm getting it from a lot of places. Um, aside from friends saying, oh, you got to hear this, or you got to hear that. I follow a lot of music related accounts on uh, Instagram and Facebook. Okay. So, um, you know, like uh, Americana Music Association, and um, I follow John Prine and people like that. And they're always talking about other artists. So they'll say, you have to listen to, you know, the new Brandy Carlisle or um, Coulter Wall or somebody and, you know, check it out. And a lot of times it's really good. Like if you haven't heard Margot Price yet, you got to listen to her. She's really great. So, yeah, so just, you know, Billboard, uh, um, um, pitchfork paste, all okay. those things. Anybody giving you a shout out yet? No. Okay. I'm just sitting over here in the, in my chair waiting. <laughs> well, there yeah. are possibly Not hundreds yet. of people will listen to this. So hopefully that will help. That will yeah. be great. All right. So as we do for episodes like this, we're going to listen to the record. We'll rank the songs off the album. So each ranking is assigned points based on the number of songs on the album. So this record has 10 songs. Therefore, our top pick is going to get 10 points. So let's 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 get started. So first first okay. track here is Knocking on Your Screen Door. In the breeze now, hanging on the back. Dreaming about a sailboat. I don't need a fur coat. Underneath the dashboard. Got some sweet potato wine. I can see your back. If I close my eyes now, I could hear the train track through the laundry on the man. I'm thinking it's your business, but you don't got the answer. I'm knocking on your screen door in the summertime. I'm knocking on your screen door in the summertime. And Dave Cobb is all over this album. And if you're not familiar with that name, you've absolutely heard his influence on a lot of Americana. So he's the longtime producer and guitarist for Jason Isbell. He's got a few Grammys to his credit, working with Jason Isbell, working with Chris Stapleton. And not only did he produce this, I think he's on guitar on nearly every song. Yeah, he also is a player, too. He likes to get in the room yeah. and play. Yeah. And um, yeah, he's incredible. And, and this, the the first song, this was also so this was Prine with Pat McLaughlin. So they're they're mm -hmm. the ones who wrote this, and he's been recorded by everybody as well. So he's more of a writer. But so Bonnie Raitt, Alan Jackson, Trisha Yearwood, Nancy Griffith. Um, I mean, mm -hmm. he's he's been around forever as well. So yeah, that's, I didn't know that's yeah. really cool. So. Um, what do what do you guys think of knocking on your screen door? Is this a good intro to the rest of the album? 
I love how it's got an up an up tempo like classic folk beat, but yet the lyrics are about this down and out and not enough to eat guy. It actually reminded me of two other songs. One is um, Jackie Brown by John Mellencamp is, a, you mm. know, that same sort of going through this guy's life. But um, also, surprisingly enough, I was listening to Paul's Boutique by the Beastie Boys on the flight back from my vacation. And there's a song on there called Johnny Rial about it, because this has a couple of lines that make me feel like it was a musician who was, you know, had it all one minute. And then the next minute he's kicking over trash cans trying to find something to eat. So maybe odd mm. uh, uh, comparisons, but uh, I thought it was a great way to start this kind of an album with something real traditional um and upbeat right out of the right out of the gate yeah and actually i agree with that i think it's a fun song and the the thing i like about um a john prine is his lyrics are spoken or are sung in plain english but they're really profound when you pay attention um and that that's the hardest thing to do because you can use a lot of words and you can use big words but the few words you use uh, when you're still able to say everything that you want to say and impact somebody, that's huge. So um, I like the imagery in this song. I like that it starts with an upbeat song. And by the way, it was hard for me to rate. <laughs> I, I hated giving a number, the one to the song. Like I feel like I'm, you know, throwing a child away or something. But uh, yeah, um, don't feel bad because we feel like that every week. Every week. I mean, we've had a couple <laughs> okay, good. on now right. and they, they say the same thing. Like we pick these records that are, I mean, this one that we a like great example yeah. from top to bottom. This is yeah. a really great record with no songs that I would say that I dislike, but yet it's all relative, I guess it's hard to do. Yeah. We've, mm -hmm. we've been doing it for 20 some episodes now and it hasn't gotten any easier. No. Yeah. <laughs> and, and my first impression on, on this song was man, prime kind of sounds old and he is. Um, mm -hmm. And I hadn't, I wasn't aware that it had been years since his last album. And I also wasn't aware of, you know, all the health issues that he's had over the last decade or so. I mean, he's mm -hmm. fought off cancer twice. Had multiple surgeries yeah. and lost function of his, like part of his tongue and his throat and had to learn how to sing again and changed his voice, obviously, which is, it's so, he has such an interesting voice before and he's, it's still interesting yeah. now. Yeah. And you know what I, 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 it's so distinct, but the word that kept coming back into my mind was texture. Like, his voice in and mm -hmm. of itself just has so much texture. Yeah. You can hear that old man who's been around, but it's, I just, the word texture just kept coming up. Like it's so multi-leveled. There's so much more to it than just, just, a, just a voice. It's, it was uh, incredible. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This song was nominated for best American root song. Prine actually had two nominations. He didn't win either. We'll get to that in a minute. Um, I think my last, my last, comments on this at first i thought this was a song kind of like the stones can't you hear me knocking i heard a little bit of that and i thought it'd be a song about sex mm -hmm. just like that song but i think it's just a song about thinking back to those simpler days and uh you know i'll 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 see your back porch if i close my eyes now um yeah i'm knocking on your screen door in the summertime yeah yeah all right, let's go through some scores. Michael. I gave it eight. Okay. That's a strong score. Yeah. I, I really like this song. And this will probably change for me over time as I as, as I develop relationships with other tunes. But yeah, for now, I gave it eight. Sounds good. Wayne? 
Uh, yeah, I gave it a six. I, I did. I really enjoyed the song. It was a great way to start the record. Yeah. And uh, I gave it a five, even though that seems middle of the pack. Uh, no, going back to what you were saying, Michael. Um, yeah, it's hard to it's hard to give some scoring sometimes. So we feel mm-hmm. your pain. <laughs> All right. Uh, second song on the album. This is I Have Met My Love Today. know who provides the backing female vocals on this oh yeah the one brandy, and only yeah, yeah, yeah brandy, brandy carlisle. carlisle i think that's one of the things that hurt this song for me i mean i did i gave this my lowest score because she has a beautiful voice and and it completely gets it feels like it gets buried underneath his voice there's almost times where i and i listen to it in headphones that she's almost like she can't you can't completely hear her through through all the textures of his voice mm. interesting all right i didn't get i didn't quite get that anyone else think that the female vocals uh seem like a throwback to bonnie Raitt? hmm i didn't um i didn't necessarily think that no but because when i was when i listened to it um listen to it i can't stop from myself from thinking about how upset I am that it's not me singing with him. <laughs> so, um, so, but I love Brandy Carla and I'm actually, I, I really am glad that her, her career, she's always, she's had a great run, but it seems like in the past couple of years, she's just exploded. Um, she was the most nominated woman at the Grammys this year, which is insane. And she's a folk artist. You yeah. Know? Did, did you watch the Grammy performance? I she did. Yeah. Killed it. She's in, she killed oh it. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And that's a, that's a powerful yeah, song. Yeah, yeah. The joke is, yeah. oh my gosh. So get, getting back to the Grammy award for American root song. Yeah. Brandy is the one who won for that, for that category. So mm-hmm. she won for the joke. Um, and I finally listened to the entire, that entire album this week and I'm hooked. Um, yeah. 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 I, I finally sat down with the album cause I felt like I've, there's certain albums that, that come out and I go, I really want to listen to that, but this is not a, this is not a drive, drive in the car commute type of album. This is one that I have to Mm -hmm. like put on the headphones and just kind of sit back in my chair and just absorb. So I did that finally Mm -hmm. this week with, with Brandy and um, I hear a lot of Bonnie in her voice. Yeah. They both have such, such powerful voices. Yeah. And, uh, and of course, Prine wrote the song that I think made Bonnie famous, Angel from Montgomery. Oh yeah, that's right. Yep, one he of did. the greatest songs ever yep. written in my, in my yeah. Yep. Uh, anything you guys want to talk about with "I've Met My Love Today"? I mean, Wayne, you've already pooped on this one, so giving it a. I <laughs> <laughs> like to say, that's I, I, I'm sure there's a part of it that you know, the, I think the the sentiment of the song also sometimes if you're sometimes can can bring back troubling memories but also but yeah i i I don't know there was just something about it that 
it's so simple, but, um, you know, it's, it's amazing how he does capture that moment when you meet that special person. Mm -hmm. All right. I gave this a four, Michael, your score. Also a four. All right. Moving on. Here is egg and daughter night, Lincoln, Nebraska, 1967. And in parentheses, parentheses, crazy bone. When you got hell to pay, put the truth on layaway and blame it on that oh crazy bone. Crazy bone. Crazy bone. Where you wish you left your well enough alone. When you got hell to pay, put the truth on railway and blame it on that. Oh, crazy bone. Don't be stuck up in Alaska when you should be in Nebraska on a Thursday when it's egg and daughter night. When the farmers come to town and they spread them eggs around and they drop their daughters down at the roller rink. How, how great is that title? That title is amazing. <laughs> you want to talk about titles that just like make you think. I don't know what I've never heard of an egg and daughter night, but um, I don't know if you know, if you listen to the story behind it, but it's a true story. And I don't really, I don't want to paraphrasing, but basically that what, what happens in the song actually happens. These farmers would come into town and they'd bring their daughters with them. And yeah, one of his buddies was telling him about it. And he's like, yeah, it was called egg and daughter night. And he was like, well, that's going to be a song, you know? (laughs) So and there's so much imagery in the song. I love the detail, the simple detail that he injects into a song. And um, you can't help but you're watching the movie while it's while you're listening to the song, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Like I say, this song, if it was written, you know, I mean, it felt like it could have been written 100 years ago and it mm-hmm. would be a standard like that we would, like that everyone would know. And I did, I love the lyrics that just paint, you know, this you know, right through this guy's life from, from, you know, going on double dates with his friend to picking up, you know, girls at the roller rink to the old folks home and almost like staring out the window at the cemetery. Um, Mm -hmm. but still, um, that, uh, and I don't know the crazy bone part. I mean, but that whole, the guy seems to clearly have a sense of humor about, about his life and, and about what's coming next. It just, it was a great song. I saw the movie just like you. I watched it um, right there as I was listening to it. Mm-hmm. So, so what is yeah. the crazy bone? You know, I'm not sure. Just like the, it's like a metaphorical, well, I mean, maybe it's not, you know, you have to ask John, but yeah, I, I got the, it's like that, you know, when you do something outrageous like a wild hair, yeah, or silly or something or something you're not. Cause it sounds like from some of the lyrics, the way the guy talks to to the nurses at the nursing home. It's just, you just blames everything that he does out, on his you know, crazy wrong, bone. Yeah. On his crazy bone. You got, he got it out no matter what. Yeah. I'm going to use that. From now on. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. 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 And he, you know, and um, there's another, so I watched an interview with him in that part in the middle of the song where he's doing that vocal, um, just like humming or, or whatever. Uh like he's he's going da 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 or whatever in the in yep. the middle of the song. He was talking to Dave Cobb and said, "Hey, I want the horns to do kind of this thing here." And Dave, this is the the brilliance of a great producer. Dave was like, "I don't think we need horns. I think you need to do it." So 
that part's in the song, you know, instead of horns. Yeah. I feel really bad about my score then. I guess I should have <laughs> I should have done a little more um digging for the for the bio background info on this. So I, I did not and this is my second least favorite song on the album. So I'm giving this a two. Yeah, Wayne, right. Wayne, what you got? I give it a seven. I really like I say it paints a picture um you know, that ends like a crazy old man. I just, I loved it. I gave it a seven. Yeah. This is my nine. Yeah. See, I, I, I tanked it for you guys. All right. It's okay. Yeah. That's why we do this. Right. You know? <laughs> yeah. uh, it just, it felt, it felt very, very, Oh brother, where out thou a, a little bit for me. Mm. And, um, I really hated that. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. No, I, I can see yeah. that. So, I can see that. Uh, and and maybe I just need to go watch. Send send me send me the videos of what you saw on the bio info. Maybe maybe that will change my mind a little bit. That has that has persuaded me to change scores in the past. So there's a there's a there's an interview. I'll, okay. I'll send you a link. It's about an hour and a half long, and it's him on I think CBS this morning or something. It just came out okay. not too long ago. And the interviewer goes to John Prine's house, and they just sit in his living room and talk for like an hour and a half. Yeah. It's really great. All right, I'll I will definitely go look at that. All right. Moving on here is the fourth track. This is Summer's End. Just like that old house we thought was on it. Summer's End came faster than we wanted. Come on home. Come on home. No, you don't have to be alone. Come on home, come on home, you don't have to be alone, just come on home. So the beauty of knowing what everybody's score is in advance, I think collectively we like the song. So who, 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 who wants to get us started on explanation of this? I, Michael. Okay. Um, well, so for me, this, this, yeah, this is my, for now is my favorite <laughs> song on the record. And I think because, um, and it might change, but I think that it's such a beautiful song and it's, it is, you know, a great songwriter can do this and John Prine does it all the time is there's something joyous about it and something heartbreaking yeah. about it. And so you don't, it's not just like you're listening to this really sad, zappy, you know, depressing song. There's something beautiful about it, something hopeful about it. And he does that in other songs where he can make you cry and he can make you laugh at the same time, you know, with, with a, with a clever um, a lyric that's funny. So other than, when I listen to this song, it just makes me feel just sort of a wide spectrum of emotion, and I appreciate it for that. So, th- for me, this is my this is my favorite song on the record. And ab- absolutely, this is my favorite song on the record. Um, this song, like you say, it it doesn't make me sad, but it, it's it's powerful. Like this song, like it gives me goosebumps when it starts playing, and um, I mean. I get all these emotions. And like I say, I even, when I first heard it, I I took it from the perspective of like this estranged lover that just please come home. And you can, I love how he goes through, he rips through time in his lyrics in a really short amount of time. He's talking about the summer, 
then Valentine's Day, then Easter, then it's New Year's Eve again. I mean, he's you can see that this whole thing is taking a long time and he's still mm -hmm. missing this person. And then um, I had, then I read it, I think a review in one of the magazines on it. And it was saying how it was about like a grown child, which like we had talked about earlier, there's two perspectives now, you know, and neither, both of them like were super powerful to me and gave me this, uh, you know, this, this feeling of, you know, uh, just this, this is a beautiful, powerful song. I mean, I I can see myself listening to this song for I mean for the rest of my life. I really mm -hmm. enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah, it's a great song. Um, so this was another one of the the songs that was nominated for best American root song. Of course, he lost out to the person who is providing some backing vocals on this particular song as well, Brandy Carlisle. So so tell me, who can explain to me the difference between Americana? And folk because the album is pretty folky but it was nominated for americana and not folk can you not be nominated mm -hmm. into two different categories i'm not sure how that how that works um but i do know americana is sort of a sort of a melting pot of genres so americana will have influences of country folk uh rock and um you know western like that's Americana. It kind of takes those genres who are who have some overlap in terms of their feel, and it's the it it's like the conjunction of all those. Okay, so what country was like thirty years ago? Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Um, anyone familiar with Warren Zevon's last album? Mm, I haven't listened. So uh, I yeah I get I get the same vibe with this particular song that I got with Zevon's uh, last album because there was <clears throat> he knew he knew he was going so he made one last you know kind of hurrah record and you know brought all of his friends together kind of kind of similar to what what we see on this album that you know we'll we'll talk about some of the other guests here on some subsequent songs but um, I, I kind of got that vibe that. I don't know, maybe this is prime kind of knows that this is maybe the last big album that he makes. Mm. I mean, I'm hoping that's not the case. I hope he'll, he'll, you know, last a, a you know, couple, couple decades more, but um, I don't know. I just kind of got a little bit of that, a little bit of that vibe from this, this song. I hadn't thought about that. That's a good point. I mean, you never know, you know, yeah. when it's the end. But it definitely, I, I mean, I agree. There's a, there's a sense of like a, I, I don't know how to describe it. I've never, but I mean, you're 71, you've sur survived cancer twice. Mm -hmm. You're going to do what you do. And I mean, yeah, there, there is like a, like, let it all hang out kind of feel to it. Like go out, you know, both guns, both guns blazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. All right. Let's get scores. Michael. Okay, mine is sorry, I just lost it. Um, well, for summer's end, mine mine was ten. Wayne, ten, and uh, this is my ten as well. So that's cool. When has that ever happened? That's really cool. Yeah, it's a trifecta. Yeah, um, and I love right. that it's track four. Like you yeah. don't get the best one on track two or three. You know, sometimes you'll wait till track three to put like a really great song or whatever. But it's track four. It's like you got to do. You've got to work. You got to do some work to get to that one. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 So I love that. Yeah. All right. Uh, next song, Caravan of Fools. 
Don't play by anybody's rules With your carousel of horses And your unforeseen forces You're running with the caravan of fools Caravan of fools Caravan of fools You're running with the caravan of fools Anybody else totally see Johnny Cash singing this song? Oh, I absolutely have it written down. That's uh, <laughs> one of my, and some of my remarks that, you know, cause I thought if, if the producer, would you say Dave Cobb? Yeah, Dave um, Cobb. If he played that, that finger, that finger picked acoustic guitar is brilliant. And then it almost sounds like a, an old, like a washtub bass starts playing in it. Mm-hmm. And then, um, yeah, that's like John Prine's best Johnny Cash impression. It just, yeah, I, I definitely got that. Yeah. And Dan Arbach is one of the co-writers on this. Um, I guess I was expecting that I'd like it a little more because I I really dig the Black Keys. I really like Dan's solo effort. What was that, two years ago? Um, Mm -hmm. And he does have another song later in the album that I do, spoiler alert, I do like better. But this one, I don't know. I I guess I, 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 I didn't like it as much as I thought I was going to like. Well, it, I love this song because it does feel political. Um, I, I don't know about scathing indictment, but this definitely feels like uh, something about that Make America Great Again movement where billionaires trick simple, poor white people into thinking that they want the exact same things as they do. Mm. The love and devotion, deep as any ocean, you know, um, yeah. don't play by anybody's rules. It, it definitely had a Trump era, you know, Trump bandwagon type feel. and um, So when he's talking about the shiny jewels and he's talking about the waiter's white glove, mm, is that kind of the imagery the, you're looking some, at? Some, some dull blinding winner when you can't help but lose. Uh, yeah, it definitely felt like that whole, you know, I'm rural Alabama, you know, convenience store clerk wants exactly the same things that Donald Trump and his cronies, they want. We're all on the same page. Well, that's that's a whole other podcast. We'll uh... <laughs> we're talking about Fair records, enough. Wayne. We're not talking. About, yeah, we're talking about records. All right, um, my, Michael. I know uh, again because uh, I I cheat and I know what your guys' scores are. So you you had this as your lowest score. Um, any, I did. Yeah. Any any uh, reason behind that? So for me, it's not um, not from a lyrical content standpoint, but but from solely a because uh, when I listen to music, it's interesting because the most important thing for me when I when I write a song is the is the lyric, um, and and the older I've gotten, the the more so that that is the case. Um, but but the interesting thing thing about that is when I listen to music, the first thing I listen to is the music. It's just the way that I've always been. Yeah. I listen to see if the music makes me feel good. So I know that makes no sense at all, but that's just the way that I am. It makes perfect um, sense. So 
um, for some reason with this song, when I play it 100%, I didn't think Johnny Cash, even though I love Johnny Cash, um, but it makes perfect sense when you say it. Um, I just couldn't get through the um, sort of the somberness of it. And the I love dark music. I listen to dark music all the time. But for whatever reason, maybe it's in the context of the record. Uh, it is the only song that I almost reach reach up for the skip button, yeah. unfortunately. But I love it. I still love it. It's just, yeah, it's the only, only one that I find myself passing over. Right. Okay. All right, let's uh, let's move over to the lonesome friends of science. Now just an ordinary star hanging out in Hollywood in some old funky sushi bar. The lonesome friends of science say the world will end most any day. Well, if it does, then that's okay. Cause I don't live here anyway I live down deep inside my head Where long ago I made my bed I get my mail in Tennessee uh, The vocals on this one sounded much crisper than some of the other tracks. Um, mm-hmm. and anybody know any production notes on, on that as to why maybe that's the, the case? I don't. I don't know how they yeah, did it. I don't it. know either. Uh, this is another one with a really great bass line. You guys like that underlying bass line? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's super cool. Yeah. All right, somebody explain the verses to me, the the lyrics, because I feel like the lyrics are kind of all over the place. I don't. Don't get me wrong. I like them. I think they're super witty. But this is the one time that I think that if I were over to analyze the lyrics, I, I would probably still be wrong. So, so. What 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 do we got here? What uh, what is what exactly is is John Prine talking about here? <laughs> you know, and my my best and best uh, guess would be that it's, and one of the reasons that I rank this so low is because I can't tell on which side he comes down. But it almost feels like, you know, there's the science community, which not so much the actual science community, but kind of the science part of the science community that gets on TV, really is always telling us it's the end of the world. That you know if we don't stop this or we don't do this right away, um, you know, the, the, the world will disintegrate, the oceans will boil. But, um, but in reality, you know, there is global warming's not a hoax type of thing. And I couldn't figure out if John Prine was on the side of, of saying, Hey, you know, we got to do something. Or if he was like, yeah, we're going to be fine. Don't worry about it. I'm just sitting here. My dog can tell All me. Right, the weather. So I'm glad I'm not the only one that's confused about which side he's choosing here. Mm-hmm. All right. All yeah. right. Any 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 idea what he's talking about? The Vulcan lives in Birmingham. Yeah, I don't know if Birmingham is. I think that's it's Trump, but I don't know that Birmingham. Other than like I had said in the on the previous one, he's big in the big in the, big in the south. South. I don't want to just. I don't want to make any more disparaging remarks about people from Alabama. So I'll <laughs> stop there. All right, uh, let's go through scores. So this is this is my least favorite song on the album. So I give, I'm giving this one, Wayne. I gave it a three. Oh, I'm 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 the opposite of you guys. I, I gave it a seven. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I mean, for me, um, I have no idea what it's about, but it does make me feel good when I listen to it somehow. And for me, the, the thing that I gravitate towards is the chorus. Yeah. Um, or the repeating part. 
the lonesome friends of science say the world will end most any day. And if it doesn't, that's okay. Like that, that whole thing for me is, it seems like he's talking about a, a world that, that feels like it's falling apart and maybe it's not as bad as everybody says it is. Yeah. Not that, not that saying that global warming doesn't exist or that, you know, the president doesn't suck or does or whatever, but, um, but saying, yeah, that, that he has a good life, uh, a, like sort of alone on this planet, like in his head, it feels good to him and he's got his kids and, you know, that's the part that I sort of gravitated to in this song. Okay. All right. You, you, you are definitely seeing more of the, the, the positive message on, on this. That's cool. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, 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 yeah, I get that. Like I say, I couldn't, I guess I got caught up in the wanting him to be on one side or another one. You look at it in that sense, you know, it, it the oceans aren't going to boil tomorrow. So what if we just do, you know, pick up your trash mm-hmm. and stop running a coal, coal mine, but it's, it's all gonna, it's, it's, yeah, you should be happy with where you are and who you are. Otherwise it doesn't matter if it's going to end tomorrow or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Uh, so this is the seventh track. This is No Ordinary Blue. She said, what were you thinking? Just a wondering, is it something that I did? I said, it's nothing, it's just something I picked up as a kid. credits go to prine and also keith sykes so he is uh he's been recorded by lots of artists over the years including roseanne cash george thorogood uh he co-wrote volcano which is uh, the title track of a jimmy buffett album believe it or not sykes sykes was one of the musical guests on saturday night live in 1980 Mm. i had no idea i had to look i had to look that up yeah that's interesting. Um, so I'm just going to throw this out there. So this is uh, this is uh, one of my favorite songs on the album. I gave this an eight, and I th- and nice. and I think here here's what tipped the scale for me. So I'm a huge Jason Isbell nerd, and and when I first heard that, uh, again I didn't look at the credits the first time that I listened through, and I heard the guitar and I'm like, that sounds like Jason Isbell. And it is. Mm. So, um, so I gave, I gave this a little bit higher score just cause I love Jason Isbell, but I also really dig the chorus where it's like, I hear a lot of empty spaces. I see a big hole in you. I feel an outline that traces an imaginary path back to you. I love that. That it's mm-hmm. beautiful, beautiful. Um, you guys didn't, didn't like this quite as much as, as I did. So, um michael what uh what what do you have to say about this song well first of all i love this song as i do most of them on the record it's a very strong three yeah only because i was running out of numbers right if that makes sense absolutely but 
but my favorite but my favorite um part of the about this song is the chorus i think the, the chorus is amazing yeah. um I, I love the melody uh, it just feels like you're driving down a road in the foothills of tennessee or something and and there's tall grass on both sides of you and old beat up barns and you keep passing that by that's what it feels like to me and you've got the windows down and you and it's the summer yeah. so i i love it for that the the uh the imagery and and um where it takes me in my mind well, that the the second verse so I'm, I'm looking at the lyrics right now it's a back and forth between him and i'm assuming the wife so she said well what are you thinking i'm just wondering is it something i did I said, it's nothing, just something. I picked it up as a kid. I mean, it's just, mm-hmm. I, I just, I'm a lyric guy. So I'm going to gravitate towards, towards lyrics. And this, this is just a really strong song lyrically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How about you, Wayne? Uh, this was one of the songs I gave it a five, but I, it, I, it was one of the ones I, I felt bad about giving it a five. <laughs> I wish I had some higher numbers left to give it because this one has a definitely a Bob Dylan feel, which I know Bob Dylan is a huge fan of John Prine, mm-hmm. and and like Bob Dylan, I I wasn't I couldn't quite figure out what he was talking about. You know, some of it was some of it was a little straightforward, and then it then it would kind of I thought it was wonderful. I really enjoyed the song, but I I could never quite get in it uh, figure out uh, get a clear hold on what he was talking about. But I did love that little thing at the end where he where at the very end he kind of goes through the first half of the first verse to, to bring the whole thing yeah. full circle. Mm. All right. So uh, let's see. Did we, did we say scores? So I'm giving this an eight Wayne five. And then Michael, you're, you're at three, a complete a three, strong three, strong, as you said, yeah, very strong, strong three, three, capital three. <laughs> All right. Uh, next song. This is boundless love. Surround me with your boundless love. Confound me with your boundless love I was drowning in a sea Lost as I could be When you found me With your boundless love Sometimes my old heart Is like a washing machine Alright, who wants to uh, Who wants to chat about boundless love this could have been i mean this has a gospel feel like this i could have i could see people singing this in church i mean it it was uh and uh, like i say and that's from looking at the lyrics in a kind of a straightforward uh, way i definitely got uh church hymn gospel feel out of it okay i i can kind of see that so this is this is a one of the other dan arbach songs um, and I, I, I love this song. Uh, this is, this is my, uh, this is my second favorite song on the, on the record. Um, mm-hmm. and I, I, again, I kind of go back to the lyrics, uh, the, the, the second verse, sometimes my old heart is like a washing machine. It bounces around till my soul comes clean. And when I'm clean and hung out to dry, I'm going to make you laugh until you cry. Gosh. Yeah. That's my favorite my, verse. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it's so good. So good. Yeah. Um, and, and getting back to my love for Jason Isbell, anyone else think that this would be a perfect song for him to cover? Oh, he would kill that song. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So we, we need to maybe 
do the 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 Twitter thing, like uh, you know, the everybody <laughs> did for Weezer. Thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Do the do the Toto Africa thing with uh, with Weezer. We'll, we'll, we need to do that for Jason Isbell. Until he needs, uh, <laughs> needs to cover this song. Yeah. Um, all right, so I gave it a nine. Um, Wayne, I gave it a four. Um, I, and once it's a, it's a capital four. Like like uh, <laughs> Michael gives out. I. Uh, I, I, I can say I, I maybe I'm not, I wouldn't, I don't think the, the gospel hymn part hurt it. I just, uh, lots of great songs on this record and some, somebody had to get a four. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. For me, it was a six. Okay. I really like this. I really like this song. It's really, it's really good. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I found myself going back to this song a couple different times during, during the week while I was uh, listening to this. So really, mm. really solid, really solid. All right, um, here's the next song. This is God Only Knows. God only knows The price that you pay For the ones you hurt Along the way I should betray myself today and God only knows the price I pay God only knows for for me the last the last four songs on this record and that's that's how you close strong uh, mm. in 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 my in my book now this is uh this is an interesting one because it's a, it's an old song. Um, I, I did see a, an article that, uh, or an interview that he did with NPR. So this song is like 30 years old. The, mm, co- okay. the, the co-credits um, is Phil Spector. So he, he co-wrote this years and years ago. Uh, he said uh, back in 78 uh, when uh, Prine was, trying to get Phil to, to help him out with some other songs. What I found was really, really funny was um, the, uh, the interviewer said, so what was Phil Spector like? And John Prine's response was uh, crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and he left yeah. it at that. So I thought, I thought that that was, that was great. Sometimes you can say more with, with less. Yeah. So, um, yeah. all right. Uh, I know what your guys' scores are. So I, I definitely gave this a higher score than you guys did. So I gave this a, a, a six. Um, I really like the sentiment of all of it. Um, and again, going back to the whole, this is, this is him being introspective of, of his life. Um, mm. I think that this really captures it for me. Um, what's your guys' scores on this? Wayne? I gave it a two. Um, one of the, I was curious how much Phil Spector really had to do with it, but uh, this has a this has a strong resemblance to knocking on heaven's door in a couple of places, um, which doesn't bother me. I love that song. The biggest thing I think was it, how it got so complicated, especially for this album. You know, there's an electric guitar, an acoustic guitar, drums actually start playing, background singers. Um, it just to me got got away from the simplicity of the rest of the album. And uh, I'll, I just lyrically, it, it la- I thought it lacked heart. Maybe 30 years ago, he 
he had more to say, but it just, I don't know. It felt cliche. Maybe not. I mean, cause he wrote it 30 years ago and never recorded it. So maybe not. I don't know. Michael, what, what about your score? Yeah, I gave it a two as well. Okay. And, um, the, I, I agree with Wayne. I think the thing that the reason why I gave it a two is that, that verse now, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord, my soul to keep. It just felt a little, um, like a little mailed in okay for me personally um still like the song though because i like this whole record but but that's why i gave it a two okay and then uh wayne to your point about knocking on heaven's door so maybe that this is the knocking on heaven's door and now number 10 song is when i get to heaven so now he's there so here we go When I get to heaven, I'm going to shake God's hand, thank him for more blessings than one man can stand. Then I'm going to get a guitar and start a rock and roll band, check into a swell hotel. Ain't the afterlife grand? And then I'm going to get a cocktail, vodka, and ginger ale. Yeah, I'm going to smoke a cigarette that's nine miles long. I'm going to kiss that pretty girl on the tilt the world. All right. So it, does the cocktail of vodka and ginger ale, is that a specific drink? Does it have a name? I don't drink. That's why I'm oh. asking. Okay. Um, um, well, let's ask the Google. Well, if there isn't, should we propose that it becomes known as the John Prine? <laughs> it, uh What's what's what is Google telling us on this? I don't. I'm not. Um, not getting anything. Copper copperhead. A copperhead. Maybe, okay. Maybe. Okay. Yeah, vodka, ginger ale, and a lime wedge is a copperhead. Well, maybe. I I think we need. That's questionable. Yeah, I think we need to call it a John Prine going forward. That's the John Prine. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So this uh, this is a star studded. Uh, star-studded song so you got uh, jason isbell playing slide and doing some backing vocals his wife amanda shires is doing some backing vocals brandy carlisle is also on back backing vocals she's the one who does the kazoo oh really <laughs> and who doesn't love That's who doesn't love some kazoo in a song right that's amazing all right uh and of course this is the this is the 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 song that where the title of the album comes from because he says uh i'm gonna open up a nightclub and he's gonna call it the tree of forgiveness so brilliant love it uh what mm-hmm. do you guys have to say about uh when i get to heaven from i think for me this can this isn't going to make sense because i i scored the album like i did but if i had another um number nine i would have given it to this song i think it um which which in your mind you're probably you're saying well why don't you just give it the eight (laughs) and i don't know guys okay i don't know but um i think this song is so creative and uh and it's fun and it sort of makes death joyous yeah somehow instead of um somber and yeah, I love that he mentions cigarettes because he doesn't smoke anymore. And so he's going to smoke a cigarette that's nine miles long. Exactly. You know, and he's just going to do all the things that he couldn't do. And he's going to 
you know, forgive people and and he's gonna and he's gonna have a cocktail. You know what I mean? It's just like that's so for me, that's so John Prine. It's just it makes you laugh. Yeah. So so know? so going back to that NPR interview, so he said, I've had cancer twice, so I can't smoke. So I thought, where is the only place I could get away with smoking? There couldn't be any cancer in heaven. So I'm going to have a cigarette that's nine miles long. That's right. Love it. <laughs> yeah. It's so good. Such good imagery there. How about the, the, the quote where he says, where he's talking about the words of his daddy, buddy, when you're dead, you're a dead peckerhead. Mm-hmm. Anyone, yeah. anyone kind of seem like, I'm like, where's that coming from? And then the next line is, I hope to prove them wrong. That is when I get to heaven. And all I can say on that is, John, I think you proved daddy wrong. Yeah. 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 It, it, yeah. Cause for me, I thought, well, he must've had a really tough dad that was, that was hard on him. And, you know, like a lot of people and, but especially I think people in that generation, for whatever reason, the, the dynamic between father and son could be like that. I think Bruce Springsteen's relationship with his father was a lot yeah. like that too. Oh yeah. So, so yeah. So it's kind of heartbreaking because you hear the inner child come out of him because he's a 70, 69 year old, 70 year old man now. And he's been, you know, has a family of his own, but he still has that, that never goes away. Right. The relationship that you have with your dad, you know, and I did anybody else hear it, but the, there's little kids playing in the background, yeah. like when he in the beginning, mm -hmm. which is like a whole circle of life thing. Like that's a whoever's idea that Perfect. was. It was brilliant. Um, but I, I, I just like I say, I love the whole idea of this song. Um, he didn't like you know name drop or anything, but I mean, covering all the bases, getting up there and you know do, doing things that you were you were, you were told down here that you had to stop. Um, catching up with loved ones, kissing that girl on the tilt of world that, you know, and in my mind that the images created of this girl that he didn't kiss. Now he's going to find her first thing and plant one on her. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. That's a, yeah, that's a good uh, playing, Just playing guitar and partying at the tree of forgiveness. I, it, it's an image that I, I, I actually, I would greatly look yeah. forward to. Love it. Yeah. Same. Love it. Um, all right. Let's get some scores. So uh, Wayne. I gave it a nine. If I could have given two tens, this would have got the second one. Okay. It was five for me, but you know how that goes. Yeah. Asterisk, <laughs> asterisk eight. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah. And I, I give this a seven. This is also, a, I would say asterisk nine. Cause uh, yeah, I, man, I went back and forth on my nine, nine, eight and sevens mm. probably a half a dozen times. So, all right. Um, well, this is usually the part of the, the show where I, where I ask you guys, so what do you think that the number one song was? Um, yeah, we had collective 10. So I think that, that that's been, been decided. That's yeah. been decided. Yeah. Yeah. So summer's end, definitely the, uh, our top song. Um, what do you think the, 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 the second favorite one is? We were all over the place. I mm -hmm. We were yeah. all over the place. Yeah, it was when, when I get to heaven. Um, then we've got a tie for third for Boundless Love and Knocking on Your Screen Door. And then rounding out the top five is Nebraska in 1967. Nice. Um, egg, and, egg and Daughter. I, I just slaughtered the name. Egg and Daughter, Nebraska, 1967, parentheses, crazy boat. Okay. Um, least favorite? 
um, maybe, um, Oh, I don't know. So we've got uh, second least favorite, God only knows, and then uh, mm. the least favorite, and that's mostly because Wayne tanked it. Um, <laughs> is I I have met my love today. Oh yes, that one. Yeah. So, yeah. so that was that was a average score of three. So so this is this is fun. Um, so Michael, where where do you think this record stacks up among? the various John Prine albums that he's recorded over the years. Well, he's done uh, so many. I actually haven't, um, I've probably spent more time with this one than any other one. Um, all, even though I do know a lot of his other songs, but in terms of spending time with it, like a record and not just picking out songs, you know, certain songs from certain rec from certain albums. So I wouldn't really know. I mean, um, I, I've heard his voice change, you know, I can, I can see the difference, Yeah. but his songwriting ability is still completely intact. And I, I think this has got to be one of his, one of his better records. It It has definitely caused me to, uh, to, to put on my to-do list of go, go revisit some other John Prine records mm. uh, from back in the day. So. Yeah, absolutely. That's one thing that it, this makes me want to hear uh, more from him. I, I just, I guess it's a, it's a buried treasure. I get my shovel. That's really sweet. I'm so glad you guys liked the album. What if you gave all the songs ones because you didn't like it? That would be embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Well, that's that. That's the beauty of our scoring. We 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 don't just give tens and and ones. So yeah, that's uh, that's great. All right, so uh, last, uh, well, second to last question here, and I'm I'm lifting this question a little from uh, from a, a local podcast called Scotch and Good Conversation. So Peter told me it's okay to use this question since he thought he uh, borrowed it from another podcaster somewhere. So who do you who do you know that uh, we don't know who would want to join us on a podcast to revisit one of their favorite records? Hmm. Um. Put you on the spot. Yeah, I know. I've <laughs> got to have somebody. I mean, I do know. I do know people. I do know artists. Um, there's a so actually in. I mean, I'm not the only one in my community. There in Lakeland, even though we're not a um, a hub like Nashville or L.A., there are a lot of musicians here. So I, I bet one of them would. Um, um, but I have to think about. I would want to give you some somebody uh, something interesting. So I'd have to. I'll write you. All right. We'll, I'll send, it, send you a link. Yeah, yeah, we'll definitely chat. So, uh, so tell us where people can go buy your record, how they can find tour dates, etc. How how they can keep in touch with with Michael MacArthur. Okay, yeah, great. So my website is just michaelmacarthurmusic.com, and on the website um, you'll find my store, my tour dates, a place to sign up for a house concert if if. Uh, you're interested in hosting. I actually travel the country doing house concerts. Cool. Um, and yeah, and it's got my bio and different press and all that stuff on there. So excellent. And uh, also for the listeners, don't forget to follow our Facebook page, Records Revisited Podcast. Give us a rating on iTunes. Follow us on iTunes or Castbox or Podomatic. And if you want to see the t-shirts that Wayne and I wear on these episodes, you can find us on our Instagram under the hashtag of Records Revisited Podcast. 
Michael, this has been a pleasure revisiting with you. Oh, absolutely. Talk, talking about your new album. This has been great. Thank you guys so much for having me. Absolutely. All right, let's uh, let's wrap this up. So here we go. Thanks for listening. Please go support the arts. Go to a live show. Buy a t-shirt of the band. Buy a record. Visit a record store. And not just on Record Store Day. We are Records Revisited. And we are... Out. Out. out.